Blog Talk Radio. Saturday morning uh, due to due to my little bit of a technical glitch on Thursday. Yeah, we certainly are, but we certainly appreciate everybody joining us. We've got a very forgiving audience, uh, at least we think anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, it's Saturday morning at 11. Um, we did have some technical difficulties on Thursday. A couple of things. First of all, uh, we're going to try to schedule Yannick Shingra. There's still a chance he might join us this morning, but he did have some horses to train, and we certainly don't want to take him away from that. So uh, we may have to schedule Yannick Shingra for next Thursday. Uh, so certainly stay tuned uh, to our website, Post Time with Mike and Mike, and our social media pages for that. Also, we did get about 15 minutes in, Mike, of the show on Thursday uh, before uh, our technical glitch occurred. Yeah, so... We do have that interview with George Teague. He let off the show, and we do have that full interview. It's on the archive before this one, so you're going to have to uh, hit the archive page on our Post Time with Mike and Mike dot com website, and you'll be able to find the archive there. It's about I don't know about a ten minute interview or so. It's a very good interview. It talks about uh, the Levy tonight. Of course, with uh, Wiggle, J- Wiggle at Jiggler making his second start of his four-year-old campaign after the big win at Dover, drawing post seven tonight. We're going to get into it with Frank Drucker here in just a moment. He's going to join us, um, the publicity director at Yonkers, uh, as well as uh, we have to go over the drawing for the Levy contest tonight. We did that on Periscope uh, on Thursday, and it's up on our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. The field has been set. We'll go over that maybe towards the end of the program. But listen, Mike, you know, gaffes happen. And uh, it's a little bit of a rain delay, a makeup day today. A real quick story before we get into the program. You talk about bloopers. Uh, one time when I was uh, in back in my radio days, I was doing a high school basketball game in Michigan City. And you're probably too young to remember the old party lines where you used to have uh, a lot of people using the same hard telephone line. 
And uh, that's how we used to do our broadcast. We used to go into these high school gyms, and we used to use a machine called the Telefax. And basically, it was uh, an exaggerated telephone where you could put a couple of headphones or microphones into this Telefax, and it would dial up. And that's how you used to have to do the ball games, basically through a telephone connection. You'd call the radio station, and it'd be on a telephone, and they'd put you over the air. So we were doing this Michigan City game, Mike, and uh, it was a basketball game, and I'm going through my progression. So-and-so's got the ball, kicks it out to the right corner. And during the broadcast, right, it was in the first quarter of the broadcast, all of a sudden it sounded in my headphones like somebody had picked up a telephone. And it was this guy, and basically he was saying (laughs) – Get off my phone line. I'm trying to make a phone call. And this is going out on the air for the whole world to see. I've got my producer trying to call me on my cell phone. Mike, what's going on? Mike, what's going on? There's somebody on a phone line. And I really didn't know what to do. So I just ignored it. (laughs) Kept going through (laughs) the broadcast like it didn't exist. And probably about three, four times during the broadcast, uh, he, you know, kept picking up the phone and you're on my line. I have to make a phone call. So, you know, hey, listen, things happen. That was uh, one of my big gaffes in uh, my broadcasting career, Mike. But uh, hopefully we've got clear sailing. Hopefully we'll have a, a perfect trip on today's broadcast. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I'll tell you, my heart jumped into my throat when I heard a delay in my ear go 90 seconds. And I looked up and I went, oh, man, I made a huge mistake. But uh, Frank Drucker is coming up next here on Post Time with Mike and Mike on the backside of a quick commercial break. We're going to hear from our sponsor, Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. We'll be right back. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations racehorse adoption program it's the saturday morning makeup edition of post time with mike and mike mike bozich along with mike carter and right now we're joined by the publicity director of yonkers raceway the one and only frank drucker frank how are you this saturday morning Get off my phone. I'm trying to make a call. <laughs> Please don't bring back bad memories. Listen, uh, Jordan Stratton. Let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start the conversation off by talking yeah, about who's, Jordan Stratton. Who's, who's, living, who's living better than Jordan Stratton right now? I'm telling you, this guy's on fire. Had a great week uh, the week before, uh, winning the, that international driving series that you guys had, and uh, a sweep yesterday in the blue chip matchmaker. Tell us a little yeah, bit about he's, it. he's he's he's, uh, he's uh, really it's, it's his world right about now. We've had the third leg of the matchmaker. He swept all three divisions last night. Two of them trained by P 
Pete Trittman was certainly, uh, if not the leading gun in the Levy, which we'll get to in a second, and certainly he's in the conversation. And, and uh, Trapps came up a bit wet last night. He, he won the two essentially off the pace, one and one down the road. And I think he was he was pressured to say, that, you know, one of them was not a figure horse. The race kind of fell apart in front of him. But the other two were racing well, and, and he's been lucky that they have not drawn in against one another yet, So. I think the law of averages may force them to make a decision sooner rather than later. All three New Zealand breads, by the way. Yeah, Harry Von Noblock, an old uh, uh, Chicago guy, and uh, this was one of those handicapping angles going back about 10 or 15 years. If if uh, he brought a horse, especially that was making his first start in the States, you certainly better take notice. Um, but for the ladies who won the first, uh, the first division last night of the blue chip matchmaker, I had a chance to uh, see this horse a little bit at Harris, Philadelphia last year, and every once in a while, this horse uncorks a really, really mean late kick, and uh, it certainly appeared that was the case last night. Yeah, it was. I actually, I, I think Chris Neapolis come back a little short. I picked off her last night with Regal Lecture, who made the lead. But the first over in the slop is is, is, is uh, a tough way to do business. And the second over was not the problem. The problem was for the ladies who who was third over. And we had three six-horse fields last night. So, barring any happenstance, you weren't going to get away that far back. And uh, she picked them all off late. Now, Frank, throughout both series, the Blue Chip, Matchmaker, and the Levy, I noticed how competitive this series has been. Are you surprised with, uh, you know, some of the different winners in each division and, well, you, you know, know, not a lot of doubles I, coming back? As, as much as I enjoy the series, and I've been an advocate to shorten it, I think five legs is too much. I think that uh, uh, five legs to 50,000 is tremendous if you're racing for it. I think some some weeks it makes very good racing, and some weeks it makes stale racing. I would, I I've been advocating three weeks at seventy five thousand of these because I think if that's the case, you really can't take any weeks off, and especially if you draw lousy, as a couple of these have done this evening, uh, especially those that have accumulated some points along the way, you get the various is he going to triangle? Uh, he or she already has X number of points in the bank. So I think that that plays itself. This we have four divisions this evening, and I think a couple of them uh, are, are question marks whether the horses that have already won a couple of legs are really going to bust it from outside post tonight. Yeah, there's some very good competitive races tonight, and, and like you said, Frank. I mean, you know, when you when you when you're dealing with a series that has uh, many legs. Uh, like the Levy, uh, you tend to have uh, some newcomers come in right about the middle of the series, uh, maybe some fresh legs, if you will, uh, Wiggle It, Jiggle It, and, and some others that we'll talk about, maybe to take advantage. But before we get to the Levy, any horse uh, in particular so far in the first three legs of the Blue Chip Matchmaker or any performance well, I, that has stood out to you in well, particular? I, you know what? I, I think the the, uh, the the celibate horse had licensed to be a good one in the series, and then she has turned out to be. Ross has kind of surprised me a bit, but she's one that's that's come and and, uh, and uh, uh, proved she can win off the pace, which is not always the half-mile way to do business, but, but that's been her game. I'm disappointed in Christy Apple. I thought she's been poor. Andrew, that I thought, raised much better second time. She, she was a bit short in her seasonal debut. I thought she raised much better from first up uh, last week. Uh, a couple others have been up and down. Uh, Venus Delight, the uh, the series with the last year, you go to Kiss Me or Not, who was the runner-up last year. They've had their moments, but again, you have, what, two more 
preliminary rounds, and, and uh, it, it is an open draw final, so it, it uh, and it's still a half mile track, so strange things can happen. Now, Frank, coming up tonight, of course, uh, all eyes are going to be on Wiggle It, Diggle It, and he drew post seven off a very impressive performance at Dover Down, but his division is not as easy as it looks. Uh, as it no, looks, he's got all bets off drawing to his inside. I was just yeah. Go ahead. So I think came up with the the strongest division of the night, as luck would have it, and some uh, came up on, on, on the weaker side. And this one, post uh, seven, he has last season's champ do me that again in the four hole. He has the horse I picked because I'm a sucker for what what may be a price all bets off in a six hole, and he has a very potent ideal cowboy in an eight hole. So you can make a case for, you know, the the uh, probably. Four or five horses in that race. And, and so the, the Wiggle It, Jiggle It uh, does not have the luxury if if their intentions are to make the final. Well, they really can't take too many rounds off because you only, you've already missed the first two. So, but I I just don't know if he's going to bust that there at 100 miles an hour on his first start here. This is uh, as I'm sure you guys know. This is this is a half mile track, unlike many others. So the first turn. Hits you rather quickly here. Yeah, and you know, I'll tell you, there's a couple of other horses in this race. I mean, all bets off has been known to show speed, and he's right to wiggle it, wiggle it's inside. And you know, I mean, there's uh, there's definitely some competition to the inside. You know, another horse maybe to watch is uh, Bresnahan's second time starter in the states, uh, drawing inside again for uh, first time Tim Tetrick. Yeah, yeah, take a while. I, I looked at last. I thought it was okay. I mean, his first. It's it's first start uh, North American and, and to throw you in the Levy. I know they supposedly paid a fair amount of money for him, and and you want to see what he's got. Um, I think he has license to get better. Uh, certainly the draw helps him. He loses uh, loses Dubé to do me that again, which is not a a great surprise since he won the final with him with him last season. He's been he's been the regular driver. You know, to me he's uh, he, he's not with these unless he steps up a bit, but. It's, uh, certainly a horse making his second start, not only in the series, but second start in North American as license to get better. And then, you know, you have other divisions. Uh, of course, we can't talk about the Levy without talking about Foil again, who I thought was incredibly disappointing getting snapped on the money last week after a race that really uh, he had no business losing. He lost to a horse he draws in against this evening in, in Mel Murphy Beach. And uh, I, 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 I thought he regressed a bit from week one to week two in this series. Yeah, and there's, uh, you know, you talk about newcomers. We talked about Foiled again. There's a couple of newcomers in that very first division of the Levy tonight. You've got Great Vintage, a horse that I saw at Harris Philadelphia last year when the Jerry Taylor Memorial, and uh, he's trained by uh, Jimmy Tackett, so certainly a horse that you can't throw out that's got a big late kick. That's getting a little bit of a post relief from post eight to post six. Then you've got Let Us Rock Them, who uh, won an upper class uh, overnight at Yonkers last time. Yeah, I actually took a flyer here with, with with Great Vintage in this race. I liked what I saw him last week. He was up with a fifty to one for an eight hole, left for a bit of a seat, and and closed along the inside to to miss less to the length. And I do not think this is the strongest division that we have. And and uh, if you're asking me to put Great Vintage in the series for the first time into do, into a division he might be able to go with, I think this is a spot for him. That six-hole certainly figures to be a little bit of a price with Foyle again directly inside of him and Murray Beach, who beat Foyle again last week in a three-hole. But I think it's if he's going to be a player in this series, I think it's a soft enough division 
uh, that he might be worth a shot. I think the, the second division, uh, it's PH Supercams to lose. He just always races very well, and I have to believe in post four, uh, he'll, he'll be forwardly placed here. More competitive divisions, in my opinion, is the uh, prelim with Take It Back Terry versus Luke and Hanover. And talk about mm-hmm. tough post draws. Luke and Hanover drew post five, then drew post six. What is left? from uh, that post on the outside every week. What do you think about Luke and Hanover's chances tonight about getting into the see, league? This, There's a lot is, of speed inside. Is, yeah, there is. See, this is the same question I have with, with Celibate, who draws an eight-hole in, in, uh, in, in, in an earlier division. You have a horse who's already won twice, who's, who's in, in, in a good spot. I'm sorry, a bit of a legend, my bad. Um, it's just another Tritton Stratton horse. He drew post eight. In the seven hole, in, in the in the seventh race, you have a horse who's banked two legs in the division. Uh, I, I don't know the incentive to bust it is going to be there this evening. Brennan, I think, opted to take it back, Terry, as he should have. It's a burnt horse, and the horse has drew much better. And the horse was just very good last week, ripped out of a pocket in the just over twenty-seven second final quarter. So this is the problem with with the elongated series, especially if you've won a couple legs in a row. Um, I think you you kind of you kind of live off the nuts you've stored so far, and maybe I don't want to say take the week off, but the incentive to to, uh, to to really win from an outside post, knowing the law of averages says you probably draw much better next week, is certainly there. Yeah, certainly, and that is a very, very competitive division. I mean, you've got from post one two, Texas Terrence already won a division of this thing. Mockettsos already won a division of this thing. That's from post two. From post three, Texacan has lost the first two divisions by uh, maybe a total of a centimeter, and he's been he's driven by the red hot Jordan Stratton. Doctor Bush yeah. and Scott Rocks are both very accomplished. That is really a barn burner division. I, again, I thought the uh, take it back Terry's effort last week. Uh, I like it to sit pocket it's an ideal cowboy. I think cowboys don't slouch. You get eight hole this evening, does some no favors. But take it back, Terry, just ripped out of the pocket and 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 and, and won going away by uh, as much as he wanted to. So he's he's certainly come back very well after a uh, a good second in this series. Uh, and he's and he's to, to this point he's Burke's best player in this series. All right, Frank Drucker, director of publicity at Yonkers Raceway. Frank, is it too early to to uh, nail you to the fire here and, and ask you who's going to win this whole thing? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to plead ignorance on that. I think too much could happen. I think we will jiggle the extractor to see what happens this evening. So, I, I'm, I'm, you know, feel free to get off my phone some other point between now and when this series is over. But uh, <laughs> week three, I'm going to I'm gonna have to dutifully – Reserve my judgment for now. Frank Drucker, the uh, publicity director at Yonkers. Frank, we certainly appreciate you uh, joining us on take two of Post Time with Mike and Mike this morning. All right, Jeremy. Have a good day. All right, you too. That was Frank Drucker, director of publicity at Yonkers Raceway, breaking down the Levy series. But I'll tell you what, it's getting more interesting now, Mikey. And he brought up a good point. You know, you talk about the uh, the numerous legs of the Levy, uh, the George Morton Levy. There's five in all. And, uh, you know, right around this middle point, you know, you start getting these newcomers come in. I mean, Wiggle the Jiggle it, obviously the one. But, you know, there are some others uh, that, uh, you know, second, third start of the year that are starting to round out in the form that can come and uh, certainly make some waves as we head into the money part of the uh, the series. 
Yeah, definitely. This has been a very competitive series so far, and it always is. I love watching the Levy because most of the time it's just, you know, things get diced up so much that so many different horses win. It uh, it really uh, creates some great racing. The founding father of Roosevelt Raceway, George Morton Levy. When we come back, we will have uh, – let's see, what do we have next? We've got our interview with James Witherite. The, uh, it's a recorded interview. We had a chance to sit down with him Thursday. He wasn't able to join us live today, so we had a chance to sit down with him on Thursday and talk about his career. We've got that coming up. Also, we've got uh, DRF contributor and uh, Canadian harness racing expert, as I like to call him, our good friend Garnett Barnsdale, to talk about Mohawk, and they're getting ready to start in just uh, six short days. So we've got plenty left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. We'll be back in a moment. This is Mike Bozich with Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Our goal is to positively promote the sport of harness racing. Every horse has a story to tell, whether a claimer or a stake source, and we plan on telling those stories here on this program. If you would like to advertise on Post Time with Mike and Mike, Send us an email at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com for more information. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Listen to a brand new broadcast every Thursday at 1 p.m. Any prior episodes can be listened on demand as well. Log on to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash ptmikeandmike. Once again, that's www blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich and Coming up next is uh, James Weatherite. And, Mike, we had a very good conversation with James Weatherite on Thursday. Uh, unfortunately, the sound quality isn't going to be the best, obviously, because we had to record it. But, Mike, uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun talking with him. Yeah, it certainly was. The multi-talented James Witherite, of course, track announcer, longtime track announcer uh, at Harris, uh, Philadelphia, before uh, I took over back in 2014. James, of course, moved on to Tioga, and that's where he is currently doing some announcing uh, at Vernon and Tioga, as well as uh, a lot of other things. Uh, he does a lot of uh, different things as far as music is concerned. A very accomplished musician. We had a chance to talk to him a little bit about that, as well as uh, the trip notes that he does. Uh, certainly helping uh, handicappers, uh, in advanced handicappers, kind of reading between the lines of charted lines when you look at the program. Uh, James tries to give you the untold story uh, via his trip notes, does a fantastic job with that. So, uh, Mike, without further ado, do you want to uh, press play on that bad boy? And let's hear from James. All right, we're here with uh, James Witherite, uh, the track announcer of Tioga and Vernon. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. James, welcome to the program, my friend. Mike, Michael, it's great to great to join you here for this. For the All right, keep in chat. All right, well, listen, how'd you get started in the business? I know you got started at a very young age, and I had a chance to meet you at Hazel Park when you were kind of making your rounds there, getting your feet wet and uh, getting your foot in the door. How'd you get started? Uh, believe it or not, uh, we started on similar paths, home races into a tape recorder from highest hop whatever grandstand we could find. For me, it was Meadows, Mountaineer, Thistledown, Hawthorne, 
I imagine you spent some time at Hawthorne too, both before you became a race caller and also uh, also this winter. Oh, absolutely. Yep, no question about it. Grew up uh, on the Chicago League. Now, how many racetracks, James, have you called at now? You've at least called one race at. I have called at least one race at 66 racetracks. That's 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 awesome. That's, that's awesome. Well, James, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the Vernon Downs upcoming meet. I know uh, Vernon is uh, pretty excited to get started. And uh, did I did I read somewhere that there's a potential for a uh, new TV uh, simulcast package? Uh, I wouldn't say a, a new package per se, but uh, certainly uh, certainly we made some upgrades. We're uh, we're leaning towards something more information driven. For the for the betters, especially off track, and really really trying to give the give the off track customer all information they could possibly want at their fingertips more readily than than in seasons past, and especially with with our game being so much such an off track sport now. We need to cater both to the crowd that we do have on track, because of Tioga and Vernon, we do have sizable on-track crowds and passionate on-track crowds for that. But we also have to lend that same that same information and that same that same courtesy to, to everyone joining us from places across North America that aren't Vernon, New York, and Nichols, New York. Right. And, you know, James, speaking of... Uh, accommodating the off-track player, accommodating the season player. That's something that you've done, uh, not only with, you know, designing the graphics packages and all the other things you do, but with the trip notes uh, that you do. And this is something that you started, I guess it's probably been going on close to a year now, maybe a little longer. Uh, and well, uh, coming up on the third year of it. Oh, the third year, okay. And, it's, uh, and they're very, very good. For, for those of you that haven't seen them yet, they're very, very good. They're very detailed. It's uh, really gives you a very good synopsis of what of, of how horses perform above and beyond the charted line. Tell us a little bit about these trip notes and, and how you got started doing that, James. Mike, I know in your in your days hanging out at Sportsman's and in the summers, you'd look down the grandstand at two sections and you'd see this guy with a duffel bag full of notebooks, the duffel bags falling apart, and he's got the notebook that during the race and after the race, he's scribbling down whatever he horse did because he didn't have easy access to replays then. I've done the same thing, except without the falling apart Chicago Blackhawks duffel bag. We've got trip notes from every race at Tioga, Vernon, and the Meadowlands available, get this, free of charge, not only in the programs at Tioga and Vernon, but also at HarnessTripNotes.com. So if you're an avid student of the game and don't have time to invest in watching replays, which a lot of guys who are working nine-to-five jobs don't have that time to invest, but they still know what they're doing when they spend their Friday or Saturday night at the races, this, I think, is a real useful tool for them, be it on track or off track if they're betting at home or betting from their favorite simulcast venue. Now, James, uh, talk about how, what made you start the trip notes. I know you know you want to make everybody as informed as possible, but was it was 
were you reading a program one day and you just got frustrated or how 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 did that come about? I, I think it was Michael, I think it was years upon years of pent up frustration. Uh in two thousand thirteen, um some of you listening may may have read that I wrote a uh, paper called Innovation and Improvements in Past Performance Presentation. And what it what it harkened to was really the, the the lack of information that our past performance slides or don't show as it were. I mean we've got we've got great chart callers all across North America and the information they provide us is extremely accurate. However, accurate as that information may be, just by looking at a charted line, I can't tell if this horse was second over or third over, if he had live or if he had dull cover, if he had traffic trouble, etc. And those are all things that ultimately affect the outcome. I can make inferences after watching thousands upon thousands upon thousands of races, but oftentimes with a past performance line, my best guess still two-thirds of the time will fall short when faced with trying to decipher a horse's turn. So I started to implement some of the things that I proposed in innovations and improvements. Did so once I joined the Tioga Vernon Meadowlands team in the winter of 2013-14, and it's evolved into what it is now. Visiting with James Wynn, the right track announcer for Tioga and Vernon Downs. James, we've seen on your social media pages um, the elaborate prep work that you do before calling a race. You want to tell us a little bit about that? <sighs> it's uh, it's gotten streamlined quite a bit, but still still rooted in in study and doing all of the all of the legwork well before I show up to the broadcast box. And a lot a lot of it doesn't involve what Tom Durkin did, what Dave Johnson did, what Miramati does, what a lot of the English broadcasters do. And that involves marking the colors that each driver is wearing directly in the program. What it does for me is if I lose a horse, I can look down at the program and my eyes drawn directly to the driver's health. So I figure that saves me 0.3, 0.4 seconds just in doing that. And that adds up over time. So it's just, it's a heavy-duty safety net, if you will. And Yeah, in, no question. And in the preparation, I'm learning the horses better, both through marking the program, through watching the replays, my my short-term memory is, I think, my weakness. So I'm relying more on long-term institutional knowledge to know who the players are in a given race, more so than quick rapid-fire memorization. All right, James, we're the right track announcer. Sorry, Mike, put the, put the no. two together, and there's, the, and there's the complete package from which to from which to build the story. Yeah, no question, and I'll tell you, it's certainly one of the more descriptive uh, analysis. That's something that you aim to do, is to try to be as descriptive as possible, or is that something that just comes out naturally? Well, I think these, 
Australian influence has really hammered that point home, but it is something that I try to do. Be as descriptive as possible. Make each word count. If I can say the same thing in six words or two words, I'll go for the two words provided that I'm not talking over the audience, which sometimes I know I've been, I've been prone to do. And I try, to, I try not to, trust me. But, uh, but I always try to be as descriptive as possible and pack as much punch in each word as I can. James, before we let you go, let's uh, briefly touch on uh, your music. Now, you, you put out some fantastic music, very, very good jazz musician. Uh, talk a little bit about how that's going. I think they're, I think they're a little slow right now since I just, uh, just got off a two-and-a-half-month stint at the Meadowlands with the interim oddsmaker and track handicapper program. But working, uh, working back into it, if you're in the Philadelphia area, Hear my trio through the months of April, May, and June. More information about that will be on my website, jameswitherite.net, and we'll be playing a lot of music from my 2014 release entitled Please Do Not Clap on One and Three, which I recorded with my Pittsburgh trio in the summer of 14. So stay, stay busy between the, the horse racing and the music to balance each other out, as I've been known to say, and just live the life. James Witherite, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Good luck in 2016 and beyond, and we'll certainly be listening to you at Vernon and Tioga. You too, Mike. Have a great opening day tomorrow. All right. Mike, you got All right. That was our interview with James Witherite. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back to Post Time with Mike and Mike, we've got our big announcement to make. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Bread. Every dream has a start, and this one is ours. To trot and pace fast, faster than all the others, and maybe faster than any horse ever has. With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tale. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks. Return on investment comes in seconds. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you. There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day. Not in this race. Not with this horse. Not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. Once you become it, your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. Feel it in all the passion. Share that experience with others. And be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat. They say that it all comes down to the breeder's crowd. There is a stretch of the breeder's crowd, and rock and roll rolls off cover. Rock and roll, head over. Leading example on the outside is trying to rally. Gold up, beast is all out. Griffin's going to 
racetrack in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, we're going to the Breeders' Crown in October. Yeah, we certainly are. That's uh, going to be fantastic, Mike. Of course, uh, the Breeders' Crown is uh, one of the crown jewels of harness racing, if not the crown jewel of harness racing, a fantastic day of racing, two- and three-year-old trotters and paces, and history is always made there, Mike, and it's going to be a pleasure to be sitting courtside, if you will, to watch all the action of the uh, 2016 Breeders' uh, Crown live from the Meadowlands. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we've uh, we've worked uh, very hard over the last couple of weeks with uh, Moira Fanning and... Uh, you know, a couple of the guys at the Meadowlands and Mike, you know, it's going to be a great two days of racing uh, to say the least. Uh, I'm excited to get back out of, to the Meadowlands. And this is going to be the first of a couple of live remotes that we're going to try maybe this year. And uh, we're just, we're super excited to be able to get out to the Breeders' Crown and uh, have some fun. Yeah, we certainly want everybody to stay tuned because we've got a lot of big things planned for the show. We just launched our website a couple of weeks ago, post time with Mike and Mike.com. It's got a tremendous response. Um, and listen, we, we've our listenership has been through the roof, so we appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, we appreciate all of our sponsors, all the people that have reached out to us, wanting to do some advertising with Post Time with Mike. It, it's been just a Mike. It's been just a tremendous, tremendous experience uh, doing this show. And uh, you know, listen, just stay tuned because we've got a lot of things coming forward. We're going to have some giveaways that we're going to announce very shortly that uh, we're going to be doing on a consistent basis. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that uh like you say live remotes we're going to be live at the breeders crown maybe some other places uh as well maybe leading up to that so a lot of good things ahead on post time with mike and mike and it's all because of the tremendous support of the harness racing community and you and you the listener i mean you know like when we started this thing mike it was we really didn't know what to, what to expect, to be quite honest, but uh, we're certainly happy that we did, and we've got a lot of things planned for the website, and including a, a little bit of a, perhaps a blog we'll get started in the next couple of weeks. Mike, I know we've talked about maybe doing some behind-the-scenes things, and, and, you know, it's kind of intricate how this, uh, how this whole show thing can do, because for people that don't know, I'm broadcasting from Maryland. 
Mike's broadcasting from Ohio. So, you know, you've got two people, you know, 1,000 miles apart, and, uh, you know, to, to put together a broadcast could certainly be interesting, and, uh, you know, a lot of different obstacles that we have to go through to, to get the broadcast done. So maybe in the next couple of weeks we'll put together a blog kind of highlighting the different things that we have to do. It's not your typical broadcast where we're sitting across from each other, Mike. It's, you know, things things can go wrong, and we have to deal with obstacles and, and distance and all that. But, uh, listen, we're really, really happy with it, and we're certainly happy with the support that the harness racing community has given us. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mike, uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna pass on this next commercial real quick. We're gonna go right into our next segment. But uh, it's a guy that we hope to see at the Breeders' Crown at the Meadowlands Racetrack, and it's Garnad Barnsdale, who's on now to talk about uh, Mohawk Racing after our announcement that we're going to the Breeders' Crown. How you doing, Garnett? I'm doing great. And you know, one, you know, you, you guys are talking about issues you had. I, uh, I, I kept getting kicked out because I think my internet connection is not that great today. So I phoned in, but I'm here and I'm happy to be here. Well, Garnett, talk to us a little bit about uh, Mohawk coming up. I know you, you and I and uh, a couple others have been to Mohawk, uh, you know, a hundred times. I haven't been there a hundred times, but we love Mohawk because uh, you're right on top of the racing there. Uh, talk to us a little bit about it. Yeah, Mohawk opens this Thursday. Um, they they seem to be opening earlier every year, which is great. Um, and it's it's so much different than Woodbine because, like you say, you are right on top of it. Um, you know, you're you're the winter circle's right there. So you get a chance to sort of interact with the drivers and trainers a little bit. Um, there's really no bad sight lines at Mohawk. Um, you know, they got outdoor barbecues. They got patios where you can enjoy some refreshments and stuff. It's just, it's got the real feel of a racetrack. Unlike, unfortunately, uh, harness racing at Woodbine where, you know, you're almost better off to watch it on the TV even when you are there, which, I mean, there had, there's still ongoing talk about racing year-round at Mohawk, but um, they have to, they have to uh, sort some things out with um, – with the slot agreement and stuff like that to, to try and get like a long-term agreement. So it may or may not come to pass, but I think most people are hoping for it. And I think a lot of the horsemen are too, because most of the, many of them, at least any, anyone West of uh, highway 400, which is basically Toronto uh, has their farms out that way. So I think it'd be good for most horsemen too. Right. Well, Garnett, you got a lot of, well, we have a lot of big events coming up at Mohawk this year, including the next rendition of the Pepsi North America cup, you know, that's the signature event at Mohawk. Uh, you've been there before for the Pepsi North America Cup. Take us through that night just a little bit and talk about maybe a couple of the contenders that uh, you see uh, coming through the ranks this year. Well, I guess the, I guess the more uh, prolific contenders would be Control the Moment, who uh, who took an undefeated string into the Breeders' Crown at Woodbine last year. But I, I guess he was coming off some sickness, didn't perform his best. And then the horse that beat him, Boston Red Rocks, who came with a, a furious rally in the stretch, Maybe a bit of a lucky trip, maybe not. I mean, I think I know Boston Red Rocks won a couple of decent races since then. But for me, one that's kind of flying under the radar that I really kind of picked up uh, at the Metro last year is American Passport. I, you know, I stand. I think you know where I stand there, pretty close to the wire, um, and I have a pretty good view of the finish. And uh, that horse in his elimination finished really, really fast up the inside under absolutely no urging at all. He kind of caught my eye that night. And I think he's one to keep an eye on uh, going forward, uh, you know, leading up to the North American Cup. Joined by Garnett Barnsdale. Garnett, of course, is the RF contributor and uh, Canadian harness racing expert, as I like to call you. And Garnett, uh, you know, we, we look at both Woodbine and Mohawk, and there's definitely a difference, in my opinion, as far as from a handicapping perspective, how you approach both racetracks. Is that a true statement? 
Yes and no, because uh, I actually have a, a I actually have an article in the Trot magazine this month, which basically discusses all of that kind of stuff. And here's something something interesting that most listeners will probably be surprised by. Um, most people would think that Mohawk is a track kinder to closers, but you know the stats over the last couple of years don't actually bear that out. Um, if you look at winners' positions at the half mile pole um, at Mohawk. 51% of the winners, sorry, 62% of the winners were situated either first, second, or third at the half-mile pole, whereas at Woodbine, uh, that number is actually lower. It's below 60%. And, you know, I asked a couple of drivers about that. I asked Doug McNair about that, and he and part of the thing, I think, at Mohawk is the quality of the horses. When you get uh, top-quality horses, they don't tend to slow down as much. If you got a, If you have horses going 55 to the first half, that's not really that slow. You can't really expect a lot of action up front, but if they come home in 55, if you're not close to the pace, how are you going to win the race? So I think it's something to keep in mind. I think the flow to the eye, the eye test, the flow looks a lot better and it looks like closers have a lot better chance. But um, in reality, uh, as, as at most harness tracks, you really need to be in the top three. You need a horse that's going to make, at least make an early move. I wouldn't be betting horses that are going to be coming from third or fourth over at the head of the lane because, as we know, most of them lose pretty much everywhere. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a very, very good point because I know a lot of people, a lot of uh, gamblers that I know are pretty set in stone in their thoughts. The closers do a lot better at Mohawk, but, you know, hey, the stats say different, so that's certainly something good to know. Uh, Garnett, any... Uh Horses for courses that, that that come to mind, maybe horses that uh, certainly enjoy the Mohawk surface a lot more than they enjoy Woodbine. Um, I don't I don't have a I don't have a list off the top of my head, but I think it's it's something I always keep my eye on when I look for uh, horses marks from the year before, and it's also something that I I kind of investigate through Trackit. I have a Trackit membership, so I can look at horses' lifetime past performances when I'm putting my handicapping together for uh, for the daily racing form. But there's definitely horses that much uh, prefer Mohawk. And here's a couple other things to here's a couple other things to keep in mind, um, maybe for handicapping going forward. For whatever reason, and I, I don't really this is a, something I might want to do a story on actually, the rail post at Woodbine keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. You'd probably be shocked if I told you that at this meet, for trotters alone, the rail has only won three point nine percent of all starts. It's actually worse than the ten hole. And for uh, pacers, all pace races, the rail is second only to the 10 hole for the worst percentage. I think, in my mind, part of it has to do because there's such a, a long run to the first turn. Um, horses want horses are fighting more for position, and a lot of times, when if you, you're leaving the rail from the rail, um, you get pushed to the back a little bit, and then the the flow starts, and a lot of times they don't even get off the rail. But it's really um, it's really kind of backwards for the, you know, when you consider how the rail works in, in, in harness racing in the entire industry, it's a terrible post at Woodbine. So one thing maybe to keep in mind would be if you're, if you're looking at a horse that had decent form leading up to its last race and left from the rail and didn't do so well, that might be a good horse to play next time out when they go to Mohawk. Now, Garnett, uh, you've been just about everywhere uh, in Canada as far as racetracks go. You know, Western Fair, you've called a race there and at Flamborough. But what's 2016 look like at Barnsdale? I think you planted, uh, uh, planned your trip for the Little Brown Jug. Are we going to see it at the Breeders' Crown with us as well? Uh, I really hope so. I mean, I think uh, 
it's it's not that hard for me to get to the Meadowlands, so it's it's definitely uh, in the plans. And uh, God willing, we make it that far, and and everything's uh, everything's on the up and up. But yeah, I definitely want to come to the Breeders' Crown this year. Well, uh, one more thing, Garnett, before we let you go, and I and I know, of course, you know, Pepsi North America Cup night is the biggest night at Mohawk. But what is one night that you are looking forward to at Mohawk uh, that maybe kind of flies under the radar a little bit? You know, you know, Metro Pace Night. I mean, maybe it doesn't totally fly under the radar, but they really have a stacked card on Metro Pace Night. I'm pretty sure they had uh, last year. They had like the Mohawk Gold Cup and a couple of a uh, couple of really big uh, Ontario Sire Stakes, and that's always a good night too with a stacked, a really stacked card. I mean, there's a lot of good nights on the on Maple Leaf Trot Night now. I believe uh, they have a they have a they put all the big trot races together. So I think the Canadian Trotting Classic runs on that night too as well, where we'll probably see, you know, the horses from the Hamiltonian. I imagine we'll probably see Southwind Frank. Um, but you know what? Just about just about any Saturday night at Mohawk once the summer hits is uh, top quality racing, and uh, you know, in most cases the weather's good, and it's uh, it's it's where I spend almost every Saturday night in the summer. Getting away from racing just a little bit before we let you go, Garnett, uh, following you on Facebook and uh, Twitter. It seems like you've got a little chess player with you, huh? Yeah, he was uh, – <laughs> my son was in the uh, city championships yesterday, and he was there, played for about 10 hours, and it was very bizarre when he came down to it. Um, three teams finished with exactly the same scores, and then they had some kind of a tiebreaker, which was a head-to-head tiebreaker that they were all tied. So it ended up actually three of the teams <laughs> – all tied for first and they couldn't really have any kind of a playoff because some of the players already left and some of the coaches had gone home, I guess, cause it was such a long day and, you know, they didn't really know at that point that something like that might happen, but looks like he's going to the provincial championships, which we're pretty proud of. Yeah. Reason I brought that up uh, was because, well, first of all, I, I used to play chess quite a bit. It's a, it's a fantastic game. And uh, there was a, a, a handicapper that used to come to Hazel Park, a pretty successful one, it would do quite well, was a real, real good chess player, was a state champion and all that when when he was uh, kind of coming through the ranks and growing up. And he really made a, a good comparison uh, from chess to handicapping in, in the sense that he said, you know, in chess, you got to think three, four, five moves ahead. And he was comparing sure. it to like your pick three, pick four, and your multiple race wagers, uh, talking about thinking ahead. And even in the handicapping lines, uh, you know, putting yourself uh, kind of in the trainer's shoes where, you know, you maybe you're thinking three, four races ahead and trying to think how that would, you know, correspond and correlate to to what the horse's performance was uh, or will be on uh, today's card. Sure, and strategizing how to put your uh, put your multi race tickets together, maybe to uh, get some value using uh, you know horses that are overlooked in the morning line and that kind of thing. For sure, it's all uh, it's all logical thinking, or at least most of the time. Yeah, I had a buddy. I'll tell you, when I was first starting to play chess, I had a buddy that was really really good at it, and he for about two months straight. I mean, he just took me to the woodshed, and I was just obsessed with it. I mean, I got every book that I could possibly read and, you know, the eight starting moves and this and that. And uh, finally, after a couple of months, I finally cracked the ice and beat him. And, and uh, you know, my uh, chess career was shortly lived after that. Well, listen, Garnett, we certainly appreciate you joining us on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike talking horses, uh, talking chess. And uh, Mohawk, uh, Mohawk's meet's coming up in just six days. It's going to be a fantastic meet. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you uh, during that meet. Yep, I'd be happy to uh, happy to join the show anytime. I just want to say for for the listeners, if they're looking for my uh, daily selections, which I've been doing very well on recently, I gave out a eleven hundred and seventy eight dollar pick four two nights ago on a thirty two dollar ticket. Um, wow. If they follow me on 
Twitter at, at GoCashKing. Uh, I post my uh, DRF selections daily, so you can find them there. Fantastic. Anybody, uh, did you have a chance to look at the Woodbine card? Anybody we should look out for tonight? I did. I got the program right here. Let me take one quick look. All right. Uh, give, give us the, give us the, let us make some money tonight. Give us your best bet. My best bet is in the third race, Wizard of Osney. It's uh, Moreau and Filion. Um I think this horse has raced against a horse named Hilsonator the past three starts. And Hilsonator so far this year, I think, has had 10 starts with eight wins in two seconds. And, and tonight, he, um, Wizard of Osney, the mare, she escapes Hilsonator and uh, faces just a little bit easier. But I, to me, she looks much the best in there. I think she, you know, and you'll probably get about five or six bucks, I think. Yeah, four to one morning line. Richard Moreau and uh, Sylvain Fillion certainly can't go too wrong with those connections. Garnett, we appreciate it, my friend. Anytime, Mike and Mike. Uh, happy to be on. Take care. Uh, all right, that was Garnett Barnsdale, and uh, Garnett released one tonight, Mike. The third race at Woodbine. So go to the ATM machines, and then uh, we'll see what happens tonight. That looks like I can play my show bets on something tonight. I like it. <laughs> yes, you can. Your, your $2 show wager for tonight is secured. So go get that $2 from your ATM machine. You might charge your 4 bucks to get that 2 bucks out. But uh, nonetheless, there you go. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, we're going to take one last time out. We're going to wrap up and talk a little bit of the Levy when we come back here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations. Racehorse Adoption Program. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter back. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. We certainly appreciate you joining us on this makeup edition. Don't forget to join us uh, next Thursday. And uh, we've got a Twitter poll out. Mike, have we closed that yet as far as... uh, time for next week well we haven't closed it but um it's it's scheduled to close this week however it looks like uh we're going to go back to our seven o'clock time slot beginning with next week so you catch us at seven o'clock uh, you can listen a numerous amount of ways you can go to post time with mike and mike.com you can go to blog talk radio backslash pt mike and mike and mike uh, we're excited to announce that we're going to be working with srn one uh, a little bit we will be able to replay our show live on SRN1 beginning on Saturdays at 3 o'clock. Now, obviously, this past Thursday's, uh, this past Thursday's show was uh, canceled, and we're doing it right now. But the, woman, or the female show that we did two weeks ago is going to air on SRN1 at 3 o'clock. So that's 148.ca, and uh, 
uh, Phil Hong and that group over there, Mike, uh, they do a great job uh, promoting uh, radio in Canada. So we're excited to join them a little bit. All right. Certainly fantastic. Yet another way you could listen. Uh, once again, log on to our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. You can listen to the archives there as well. And, of course, we'll have more information uh, on how you could listen to us uh, on uh, 148.ca? Yeah, 148.ca, and then click the uh, Listen Live button, I believe it is. And uh, that's how you, you know, and then there's a way to listen live. You can also listen via the, um, there's a TuneIn radio app. And all you got to do is click the app, type in SRN1, and bam, there you are. So beginning at 3 o'clock uh, today, you'll hear uh, our show, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Fantastic. All right, well, we're going to take a look at the uh, closing look uh, at the George Morton Levy series coming up tonight at Yonkers in just a few minutes. But before we get to that, uh, I do want to give a quick uh, Harris Philadelphia preview. Of course, they just started their season yesterday uh, with the first post at 1240. One of the things new for the 2016 meet at Harris Philly is the uh, 50 cent pick four. The takeout remains the same at 15. It's uh, been 15 for a couple of years now, but uh, the base bet now, the minimum wager is 50 cents. So that uh, is down from a dollar. So it gives you a couple of more uh, options, perhaps. It gives you a little bit more of a bang for your buck there. Yesterday was opening day, and uh, we were kind of worried, Mike, because uh, there's definitely some storms in the area. There were storms predicted. The temperature was nice and warm, 70 degrees, but there was some storms uh, that were moving through the area, and we had to do some storm dodging, but we did. The storms, uh, and actually really wasn't a storm. It was just more rain than anything. didn't move until uh, move in until after the card. But uh, it was a pretty good card yesterday today sand between your toes a uh, fantastic uh, aged uh, mare pacer uh, was able to win the featured event there she raced the last couple of times uh, a couple of disappointing efforts in the blue chip matchmaker but the move to the bigger oval certainly helped her she won the featured event yesterday in 52 and 1 Congratulations to those connections, Brad Grant, the owner, and uh, Brett Miller, the driver. Brett Miller actually won two of the first three races, won the meet opener uh, as well. You know, we talk about Wiggle It, Jiggle It, Mike, and, uh, of course, the great uh, horse that uh, Clyde Francis, the trainer, and George Teague and Montreal Teague have. But uh, there's another little horse that they have, a three-year-old filly by the name of Destiny's Beach Babe, and she's undefeated this year. She's now 4-4. She won yesterday at Harris, Philadelphia, defeating a pretty good favorite and sailed to the beach uh, in 154-1. and one. That was the last race there. Jingra won three. Brett Miller, of course, won two of the first three. And somebody that we hope to have maybe on the show next week, Mike. We're not going to make any promises. Uh, we're going to try to reschedule Yannick Jingra for the show next week. He was a little bit busy this morning, so we didn't want to take him away from his duties. But uh, Brandon Gibbons. Uh, who's uh, really on the comeback trail, so to speak, kind of a, uh, you know, a good story. I mean, a, a kid that certainly has had some problems, Mike, but he's overcome them. And, uh, he, you know, he had a couple of wins yesterday, so he's on the comeback trail. Congratulations to uh, Brandon. We've got racing tomorrow. We race uh, Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with a 1240 post. Of course, we'll have the three big invitationals back, Memorial uh, weekend, which I believe is that Sunday, May 29th, the Maxi Lee, of course, which is for Trotters, the Betsy Ross for Philly and Mare Paces, and uh, an open pace as well, which was won by Great Vintage last year, who was in the Levy uh, here tonight, so you can catch him in action. The Jimmy Tactic Trainee coming off a good second place finish. Of course, Maxie Lee, if you remember, Mike, last year was the big matchup between Be a Magician and Father Patrick, which Father Patrick won. So stay tuned for that. That's uh, Memorial Weekend. And some new stakes, Mike. The John Simpson Memorial Stakes, Colts and Phillies. 
Uh, after a five-year run at uh, Tioga and the Meadowlands, it will be held at Harris, Philadelphia this year. Of course, uh, the John Simpson is uh, named after the uh, old chairman of the board of Hanover Shoe Farms uh, and the Hall of Fame horseman John Simpson, who's uh, won many races, won Hamiltonians, won Little Brown Jugs. He passed away back in 1995. Um, and there is going to be uh, four divisions for paces, four divisions for trotters. Of course, the two-year-old Colt paces, two-year-old Philly paces, three-year-old Colt paces, three-year-old Philly paces, uh, or Colt paces, and the uh, same in the trotting ranks. And those will be held uh, between the dates of Friday, October 14th, and Sunday, October 30th. The two-year-old's going for an estimated purse of 25000 The three-year-old's going somewhere between forty and 50000 So that's something to look forward to towards the end of October, as well as the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes events, which are held throughout the year at Harris, Philadelphia. So it's going to be a fun year, a big year on the banks of the Delaware, and uh, we're certainly looking forward to bringing you that action, Mike. Yeah, definitely. A lot of great Grand Circuit racing uh, at Harris, Philadelphia coming up uh, this season. Well, Mike, speaking of Grand Circuit racing, uh, we want to quickly touch on the Levy. And, Mike, you know, these races are just so, so, so competitive. And I think the fact that Ideal Cowboy and Wiggle It Jiggle It drew the outside in their respective race uh, makes it uh, makes his race anyway even more competitive than it already was. Well, certainly, and the thing about the Wiggle It Jiggle It race, it is the fourth leg of the pick four, and it is the second leg of the pick five at Yonkers, which starts in race seven. Now, if you're looking to play a pick four, uh, the fifth race uh, starts that. It's an open pace, and then you have three consecutive uh, divisions of the Levy, which will round out that pick four. But uh, if you want to go in division order, look at it, that first leg, base, or the first division of leg three. Basically, it's the rematch between Foiled Again and Melmurby Beach. Melmurby Beach uh, upset Foiled Again last time at 12-1. Uh, to 1. We'll see if Foiled Again can uh, turn the tables tonight. Post three for Melmurby Beach, post five for Foiled Again. We talked about the newcomers, Mike. Great vintage won the Jerry Taylor Memorial last year on uh, the big day at Harris, Philadelphia, and he's coming into uh, the 2016 meet. It's his third start of the year. A lot of people like to play horses on their third start of the year because they they, they think that that's when the horses uh, peak. And listen, great vintage overcome post-state to finish a good closing second last time. Closed in 26-4, and four, Mike, at Yonkers. That's, that's closing pretty fast on that track. So uh, maybe we'll uh, get an upset there for the tactic trainee. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens in some of these divisions. The one division that I'm interested in uh, the most, though, is race number nine at uh, Yonkers. Now, there's no show wagering, which is bad for me because because I like to place my show bets apparently. But uh, taking back Terry and Luke and Hanover, two of the you know two of the top notch uh, pacers in that division, but you also have Mock and So Drew to the inside. Texas Terror is right there too. If you can get eight to one on Texas Terror, I think Matt Kelly could get out a good trip from the inside. Uh, he's drawn post four the past two starts and it's had to come from off the pace. But if you go back to Yonkers Raceway on February twenty seventh where he got the lead, Matt Kelly not only did he get the lead, he didn't even uh he didn't give it up. So I think that uh Matt Kelly is definitely at an advantage from the inside with Texas Terror in. Yeah, well, first of all, you've got $2 million paces in here. Mocketso is getting a big post relief uh, from post six last time. Won a division of this uh, very impressively, 51-3 and three, a couple of starts back. And uh, Dr. Butch, who's a million-dollar pacer as well, 
has had a couple of uh, so-so efforts. Is looking for his first win out of 10 starts uh, here in 2016 and uh, gets Yonkers' leading driver, Jason Bartlett. But take it back, Terry. He's got 994000 in career earnings. A winner of second puts him over the million-dollar mark. will make him Harness Racing's newest million-dollar pacer, and he's been fantastic. Two straight wins. But like you said, Mike, this is very, very tough. And, I mean, how could you discount Luke and Hanover? I mean, Luke and Hanover's won four straight. He's uh, approaching a million dollars. He's got 875000 at his bankroll, uh, and Brett Miller will get the uh, reins on Luke and Hanover. So that's a tremendous this race is going to be highly entertaining, and uh, you know there's no show wagering, Mike, which is uh, certainly too bad for you. And there's no show wagering in the Wiggle It Jiggle It race, so I guess you'll have to bet uh, your two bucks on Garnett's release here tonight, Mike. Yeah, I'm going to have to. You know, Garnett uh, gave us a good horse uh, just a little bit of tonight at Woodbine. Well, Mike, uh, this is this has been a lot of fun. I know uh, you know we appreciate everybody who took time out of their Saturday to join us. I know that. Uh, you know, this makeup show was kind of uh, out of the norm, but Thursday nights uh, starting this week. Yep, we're back to Thursday nights. Uh, post time will be 7 o'clock. Uh, make sure you check our website, Post Time with Mike and Mike, uh, for information as far as guests are concerned. We hope to have Yannick Shingron next Thursday. Uh, we hope to have maybe Brandon Gibbons on next Thursday. We'll, you just have to stay tuned to our website. We will have. Uh, Jim Winsky on our show next week. Jim Winsky from Embroidery Unlimited, he's longtime horse owner, and uh, we'll talk to him a little bit about his business, about his days in the in the harness racing industry. So he will definitely be joining us on the show next week. And by the way, Mike, before we let you go, and you can find this information on our website, Post Time with Mike and Mike, under the contest uh, information uh, tab. But uh, let's give the rundown for the Levy. Uh, cha- the uh, challenge. Now, we've got two winners that already advanced it from the previous weeks. Whitney Nassimos advanced and Robert Garson uh, both advanced, so they will be in the finals with a chance to win a set of Yannick Gingra colors. Uh, winner advances tonight. Loser has to put back in for next week. Uh, and uh, here is that field. It is the Wiggle It Jiggle It race. It's race eight. Russ Adams has Royal Heart from the rail. Vanessa Powell has uh, Tate Coel from post two. Ken Eel has 45 red from post three. Steve Conway is uh, in post four with Do Me That Again. Mike Arnold, post five with Better Rock On. Rick Olson has all bets off in post six. Larry Buss will have the favorite. Wiggle It Jiggle It from post seven. And Billy Moore with Ideal Cowboy from post eight. So congratulations to all those that were selected. And remember, you do have to put in for next week. So if you lose, if you're in this week and you lose, and a seven will and one will advance, unless there's a dead heat, Mike, that could be kind of interesting. But uh, make yeah, sure... That you uh, make sure that you put in uh, for the uh, contest. We've got two more weeks until the finals, and of course, the winner will get a uh, set of Yannick Jingra colors. And if you make it to the final, you're still going to get a nice prize. So, uh, you know, don't uh, feel bad if you make it to the final and, and lose because uh, you will get a little something, something. Yeah, there will be five people in the final, and listen, there's probably going to be eight horses. So, the fact you know there's going to be three horses of what we're going to call uncovered. So, uh, you know, if for whatever reason, one of the uncovered horses wins, then, uh, you know, everybody's going to get a prize and everybody's going to get a prize regardless. Uh, so that, that's the fun of this contest a little bit. And that's why we really like the Levy contest because we can kind of stretch it out over a couple of weeks and, uh, really have some fun with it. Well, Mike, uh, in case anybody missed our news earlier, we're going to the breeders crown, uh, October 28th and 29th. It's a Friday and Saturday, uh, at the Meadowlands racetrack, East Rutherford, New Jersey. And, 
Mike, it'll be a, it'll be a good time, and it'll be a chance to – if any of you who listen to the show are out there, come on up and say hello. Uh, we, I'm sure we'd love to you know, meet some of the people who take it our show each and every week and uh, really take time to support us. Yeah, stay tuned to our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Follow us on uh, Twitter and like us on Facebook because we'll certainly keep you up to date on all the happenings of the show. We're uh, looking, like we said earlier in the show, we're looking to do some remotes from uh, perhaps uh, some other places besides the Breeders' Crown as well. So uh, you're going to want to uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and, of course, our new website, Post Time with Mike and Mike. So plenty of avenues uh, to get your information uh, as far as the show is concerned. And we want to thank all of our guests today. Like you said, Mike, it was a Saturday morning, so we certainly appreciate everybody kind of altering their schedule for us a little bit. And uh, we're back on our new time next week, Mike, Thursday at 7, or same old time, I should say, Thursday at 7. Yeah, we go back to our old time at 7 o'clock. Well, Mike, uh, it's been a lot of fun, but uh, it's time for uh, us to take off. Now, don't forget the Florida Derby is today. Uh, featuring uh, Mohe Man versus Nyquist at Gulfstream Park. I know we're a harness show, but we want to highlight uh, some derby prep races as well. You can catch all the Gulfstream action coming up today. For Mike Bozich, uh, Mike Carter, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you on Thursday with the first post of 7 o'clock. Good night.